0: Pod. 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 Welcome back again to another episode of Say Who Say Pod. He's Danny O'Neill. I'm Christian Capel. It's Oregon Week for the Washington Huskies. The five and O Huskies against the five and O Ducks at Husky Stadium on Saturday. Uh, big, uh, big week at UW. Otherwise, though, they introduced their new athletic director. Troy Dannon from Tulane. Got a chance to to chat with him on Tuesday. Um, got a story up at, at onmontlake.com with some takeaways from his first press conference. Um, I'm just curious your thoughts, Danny, generally speaking. I know we discussed how desirable this job might be, that maybe there'd be some power five interest, and um, with them going to the Big Ten, what kind of candidates they could get Uh, Based on on what you know, what you've read, what you think uh, about Troy Dannon so far, what's kind of your takeaway of the hire?
1: Uh, I think it is... It sounds good to me. I like the fact that he's been in charge of a program. And the point that you made about his ability to retain Tulane's coach after he was pursued by Georgia Tech following last season is a significant point. It's clear that he is seen as a guy with the skill set capable of navigating a move to a richer conference dealing with maybe some financial hurdles here early on while retaining a coach I'm I have nothing bad to say about the hire it sounds great to me
0: yeah it is at first glance you think about Tulane and the University of Washington you might not think that those schools or those athletic departments have a ton in common, but you look a little deeper, and I do think that he has some experience at Tulane. And, you know, let's not forget he was an athletic director for seven years before that at Northern Iowa at a school mm-hmm. that, that has, you know, competes at a pretty high level, right? Especially, you know, we know their men's basketball team was, was, um, you know, regularly, excuse me, regularly in the, in the NCAA tournament and those sort of things. Um, he, he, it's a, he he knows what it is to manage a department with some some budgetary limitations. And it's interesting to think of UW that way because as he kinda of pointed out, like, you know, University of Washington is the envy of a lot of schools yes. around the country. Um the league that they're going into, they're gonna be on the, the lower side in terms of revenues because they're they're not gonna get the same cut of media rights dollars to start out. But um he he like you said, managed the the Willie Fritz Situation, I, you know, that wasn't necessarily a case of the school coming back with such an amazing counteroffer that he just had to stay. I think the timing really worked in their favor too. But he was creative about committing to some things and promising him some things resource wise that I think made it more enticing to stay, made it easier to to stick around. Um, it sounds like he he you know gets along easily with Kalen DeBoer a uh, little bit of a, a midwest connection there and you know he he said the right things on tuesday clearly um he he knows what it is to oversee a department that wants to be as competitive as possible in football um he he you know w- was the director the executive director in iowa of their their girls high school sports association so um you know he spoke about wanting every athlete in the department to have the the same experience and it's not just all about football though obviously football is the engine and and will receive the the investment wherever they need it and um i i think uh i think he did what you would want to you know, he said the things you would want to hear from an athletic director on day one or day two of his job
1: aaron levine of of q13 had tweeted out an answer that, that Troy Dannon had to a question about the Apple Cup where he said, basically, all I know is that you're going to have to have seven home games going forward. And my initial reaction to that was negative in terms of, and it's not at Troy Dannon, but it was at the, the reality that if the move to the Big Ten creates a financial situation in which you can't afford to play home and home with Washington state and needing seven home games doesn't necessarily preclude an apple cup series. That's home and home, but it's, it's clear that's an issue going forward, at least in the very short term, the answer annoyed me though. I wasn't annoyed at Troy Dannon. And then I got a response that changed my view, not of the, of the situation with the apple cup, but about how Troy Dannon asked it. And this comes from Scott, the Twitter account, Scott's Thoughts, who reports that he has given us a five-star review. He says, the Comzi answer would have been, quote, the Apple Cup is important to this institution, to this state, and to college football. We're going to try to our best to keep it going and leave it at that. He gave an actual answer based on reality, which I'd prefer. And when I read that and it was featured that, I completely agree. I, I really like... I don't like what Troy Dannon's saying, but I like the fact that he's being blunt and straightforward about it and not saying a bunch of stuff that sounds good without actually meaning anything. So I, my initial reaction, while somewhat negative, not toward Troy but toward the situation, came around and I was like, no, I actually really like that communication style. And Anna Marie say responded right away of saying he might not be quite up to speed or he's only (laughs) been on the job 26 hours whatever was trying to head it off like she knew like oh that's going to rankle some people presumably washington state fans um i like what he said and i like that level of honesty and transparency i can completely get behind that
0: yeah he he was pretty straightforward when asked about non-conference scheduling philosophy too that like Hey, you know you've you've seen the Big Ten schedule that I've seen. I don't know how many marquee non-conference games you need when you're playing that kind of schedule, and the goal is going to be to get in the playoff. And what's the what's the shortest path? Now, if it bears out that even in a twelve-team field, you're better off having a a tough non-conference game every year, then you know maybe that's the direction they they gravitate. But I very much got the vibe that hey, don't expect to see. You know, a a big time like SEC or or Big 12 team on on the on the schedule um, in the non-conference when you're dealing with Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Oregon, USC on a regular basis Um, on the Apple Cup thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes down to one. Does Washington State want to continue it? Mm-hmm. based on everything all you know all of the 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 off-field stuff that's that's playing out right now in the courts and everything um two is Washington willing to commit to its only non-conference road game being in Pullman every other year right because every other year you have to play all three of your non-conference games at home if you're committed to seven home games which clearly they're going to be and every other year you may play one non-conference road game. So are th- would they be okay with only ever playing a non-conference road game in Pullman? I think there's a lot of fans who'd be just fine with that. You're getting some awesome trips, right? Some great trip road trips in the Big Ten that'll be new and fun and expensive and and all those sorts of things. So, um, you know, it, in the past, it wasn't just a resume builder or a seat filler to schedule a home-and-home with Michigan or a home-and-home with Nebraska uh, or whoever it might be, it it gave your fans an opportunity to to go out and and see something different, see another part of the country, interact with a different fan base, see a a, a historic, cool stadium. Well, you're going to get to do that for the next few years. You know the, these experiences are going to be new. So, um, I I'd like to see the Apple Cup continue. Selfishly, I just I love the rivalry. I enjoy it. I think it would be it would be an unfortunate thing for the state um, and for fans of college football in the state if it didn't continue. But You know, the logistics are what they are.
1: Yeah. And I get it. It's it is weird to hear sort of the financial necessities. The economic model going forward might make the Apple Cup tough when I was like, well, I thought the move to the Big Ten was the economic. (laughs) I get it. I'm a grown up. I understand what's going on. And the reality that power five teams regularly, the need for seven home games is not something that's specific to Washington. It's it's still tough to hear.
0: We're talking about one rivalry that might be a thing of the past. There's another rivalry that will very much be alive going forward, carrying into the Big Ten, uh, playing out on Saturday for the final time in the Pac-12, Washington against Oregon, to preview that game. We welcome in a, a good friend of mine, a former colleague of mine, uh, a, a fellow Substack stack uh, pirate, so to speak, uh, good reporter, good writer, Proprietor, owner, founder, CEO, COO, CFO, of the I-5 Corridor, i5corridor.com. Tyson Alger is here with us to help preview Washington against Oregon. Tyson, how are you doing this this very early Wednesday morning?
2: It's I'm I'm doing well. This is usually when our HR department has their meetings, so um, I'm, I'm usually <laughs> up I'm usually up and at them um, at Wednesdays <laughs> at 7 a.m. So, how are you guys doing?
0: Is that a is that a recurring block on your
2: calendar? Yeah, yeah. It's God, and the the guy who runs it is just a
1: pain in my. ass. <laughs> See, that would be really funny. You have the one HR department where everybody can swear at each other.
2: You're yeah, like we yeah. need it, you it, to
1: get it, things in on time. It, no! it gets
2: really weird. It gets really weird though when we start going through the complaints box, you know, because it's uh, I don't I don't remember putting them in there so.
0: Yeah, a little uh Tyler Durden situation.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh my, my wife likes to say that my she doesn't like the way my boss treats me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. I'm excited, man. I'm two days away from getting aboard a plane, flying out from Manhattan to, to come to what is a pretty special meeting. I mean, this is a top 10 matchup. There aren't many of those in Washington's history. There's never been one where both Washington and Oregon are ranked in the top 10. It's clearly the best game on the college football schedule. College game day is going to be there, which would have meant something five years ago. (laughs) It's still okay. It's still okay. I'm not going to pretend that it's like not cool, but it's not, it doesn't mean what it, what it used to, but no, I'm pumped up for this game.
2: I, w- I wrote a column on Monday, um, taking advantage of the uh, Mario Cristobal uh, <laughs> uh, virality. Um, but but in it but in it I wrote that you know he he did play his part in helping get Oregon at least to this sustainable point where I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is one of the biggest games in their program history. Like it's a and I you know, I, I think it's it's really easy to have recency bias, especially since I've only been here for ten years or so, but a top ten matchup in the last year of the Pac twelve in Seattle against your rival with Heisman quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I, I think uh I think this is a good one.
0: Do you think that um that Oregon carries last year's result in Eugene forward at all? Is is there any is there any sort of payback element to this game because it seems like the stakes and the fact that both teams are undefeated and the fact that the winner is going to kind of become the national darling as the the likely playoff rep from the Pac-12 and all those sorts of things that that seems to kind of supersede the fact that like these teams played like an all-time classic rivalry game in Eugene last year with with you know not entirely the same roster but a, a lot of the same players the same starting quarterbacks those those sort of things
2: I think there's a little bit of that, but I also think it's it was dampened down by the fact that the Oregon Oregon blew that game against Oregon State a couple of weeks later too. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't that Washington completely cost them like their entire season. It's that the Ducks were going to implode anyways. Um, there is a lot of this a lot a lot of the team returns, especially uh, on offense. But uh, I, I think where they carry it the most is do you think Washington would be ranked a, higher than or- Oregon? Uh, as they had been throughout most of this season if it hadn't been for that game because I feel like Oregon's been a little bit under undersold throughout this year because until that Washington game last year what were they like fifth sixth seventh kind of in the rankings consistently and, and I kind of feel like they're they're the team that people are ranking them fairly this year but I feel like they kind of just get skipped because there's already been the Bo Nix story there's already been the Dan Lanning story like I I, I think that that Washington loss kind of killed some of their early season buzz going into this year.
1: Probably the way they lost too, because yeah. it, in my mind, I think if they play that again, I think landing handles it differently. I think he calls a timeout there and you maybe get Bo Nix back on the field after he left with the injury. I, it, it, and that's, that's hindsight. It, it appears that Dan landing a really good coach and I'll bet that he learns from that. But I think the way they lost I, I do th- I I I agree with what you're saying, Tyson. That I think that that game had kind of set the table for how those two teams have been ranked and perceived this season.
2: Yeah, because I, I just think it. I, I think again, like the, the way they lost that game, or the second half of the Oregon State game, where Oregon State didn't have to throw the ball once to come back from multiple scores. I, I just think it. Um, not. I, I, this is the absolute wrong word, but there's there's frauds and there's contenders. And I think last year they kind of showed some um, some signs that they just weren't ready for that that quite yet. And so, you know, it's it's kind of hard to carry that over, especially when you have a team that's that's vastly the same as it was this, the season before.
0: How much do you think we know about Oregon through five games? Because I, I feel like that the, the vibe's a little similar. For the Ducks and and for the Huskies going into this game where you know Washington had a non-conference slate that was like uh, how good are any of these teams Cal and Arizona are their two Pac-12 games um and I think you can see some signs that they've improved defensively in certain areas from from last season and you know we all know that Michael Penix Jr. is good and Romo Dunze is good Jalen McMillan is good obviously they have some talent but it, this this kind of feels like um both of these teams are so much better than anything that either of them have seen so far that this, you know, we'll, we'll we'll learn a lot about
2: uh, each of them on Saturday. Yeah. I I think it's, it's pretty hard to tell. Um, This just visually, this isn't the best Oregon team that I've covered. Like they don't blow me away really in anything they do. But like when you start to like look at the stats um, they have a top 10 scoring offense, they have a top 10 scoring defense, they have as many sacks through five games as they had all of last season. Like they've, they've kind of fixed the things that they needed to do, but there's just, it's been so hard to tell because they've played Colorado and Stanford and, um, you know, Texas tech with it was a test. I thought they looked pretty shaky in that game, but again, that is a week two road game where they did come back in the fourth quarter in a relatively tough environment. um, I think they're good. I just don't I don't know where, where that ceiling is yet. Because, again, it's I, I don't think Colorado is a good football team. And so I, I think it's kind of tough to judge. But I do think Colorado has a decent offense. And I think the Ducks' biggest question this year was, can they stop anybody, especially in the passing attack? And Oregon's, Oregon's secondary has improved substantially compared to last year. And they did limit Shadour at least a little bit.
1: All right. Take Bo Nix out of this. You can't answer Bo so. Nix to the following question. Who's the most important player for Oregon on Saturday?
2: Probably Probably Kyrie Jackson, their 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 number one cornerback. He came he came over from Ole Miss last year and he's been all over the field. Yeah, he's I don't know football like super well, guys, but like there are certain guys like when you watch and you just see them like it just seems like they show up in every big situation like that. That he's been that guy through the first four or five weeks. Um, he was a little banged up coming out of last week or sorry, out of uh, the last game, but he, he's been practicing this week. He should play. Um, but yeah, if, if Oregon's going to win, they're going to have to probably force a turnover or at least like limit the <laughs> Washington's passing attack and to some extent. And that's just something that they didn't do super well last year. I, I think they have a lot more depth in the secondary, but like he's their number one dude and like, he can make a difference for them.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like, I know football super well, but I know people who know football super well. And Kyrie Jackson is seen as one of the absolute best NFL prospects. Like that's, that's feedback from people playing at the, and scouting and coaching at the, at the next level. he, He's a really, really good player. And in a game that's going to have a lot of NFL draft picks, there's a chance he ends up being the highest one.
2: Just watching Oregon's defense compared to last year, like he's a prime example of like guys are just like in sync and like where they're supposed to be. There was so much miscommunication last year. Um, And there was also just a lot of body types that weren't meant for the defense that Dan Lanning wanted to run like. Noah Sewell was running at like two seventy five last year as at, at linebacker and just couldn't cover anybody, and that's part of why Oregon just got absolutely picked apart in the passing game. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's just it's, it's been a lot more fun to watch them defensively this year because they're just not uh, it. It just doesn't look like they're covered in molasses at times.
0: Don't let Danny fool you. By the way, he was up even earlier than I was grinding tape this morning. <laughs> <laughs> He's always grinding tape. There's nothing. I'm, else I'm, I'm, I'm I'm
2: I'm I'm surprised with uh, how successful you folks have been on Lake. You don't have like your own like film analysis guy. Like you don't like have like a whole like. <laughs> you, you can know, see here department. they're in a cover two, v- two shell.
1: When they're in yeah, a cover two shell, and you got up. a you've yeah. got a bare front. Oh, God,
2: yeah. <laughs> coach.
0: Uh, did you, you, guys, did you, guys, did you guys?
1: Did you guys see James Franklin this week?
0: oh, no, did he have a Did he have a, a tape guy explosion?
1: No, it was the opposite. A guy came on and oh. goes, is there ever a situation where you just tell your quarterback to throw it deep? Like, I don't care what the coverage looks like. Just huck it up there and make a play. And Franklin's like, I don't understand what you're saying. That's that's nothing, nothing we would ever say. What you're saying actually makes my skin crawl. And then the guy repeats the exact same thing. It was quite funny. Was it a Are press you guys- conference or his coach's show? It was a press conference.
2: Are are you guys good at watching like you'll see these clips come up on Twitter all the time where it's like question destroyed or like look at the like, or just like awkward. Que- you get this on the organ beat for one specific reporter all the time. Uh, I, I can't sit through and watch the look at this bad reporter question highlights on Twitter. Like it makes my skin crawl. I get I get secondhand embarrassment all the time. I just I just can't do that. It's very oh. uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Oh, see, I love it the best the, where it's the best is the nba because they've made those press conferences into actual content that the at, that nba tv shows and it's set up at any point in a press conference if the person answering questions wants to make the person asking the question look stupid they can and i don't get secondhand embarrassment i i think it's legitimately funny like performance art <laughs>
2: i i and i envy
3: that
1: <laughs> it's uh yeah, I mean,
0: we live in fear out here that Kalen DeBoer is just going to rip someone's head off at at any moment. You know,
1: he's too nice, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he, it's a, so- like I, I'm very much being sarcastic. It's it's hard to uh, it's hard to imagine what would have to be asked for for him to to try to make somebody look bad.
2: It's it, it's funny because uh, Lanning is uh, I'm not going to say Lanning's mean, but he can be quite the opposite. Like he'll he he's the guy he's the guy who will take. Uh, one specific word in your question and use that to kind of deflect the entire like, Oh, I wouldn't say this. Or what do you mean by that? You know, he's just, um, he's, he's a, he's a tough cookie. He's, 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 he's a tough cookie. I do enjoy the guys who like, you can just tell that they
0: are, they are simply not going to agree with the premise of any question because they're just in that mood (laughs) or you could be like, Hey Dan, would you say that, um, it was 71 degrees and
1: cloudy at kickoff today? And be like, well, it wasn't really, wasn't really cloudy. I saw some good sun breaks, so I don't think I agree with the characterization of cloudy. <laughs> it,
2: it was after, um, or it was after Oregon's second scrimmage during fall camp. Uh, he came out and he was like, the defense looked better, uh, the offense played okay. And the first question somebody asked, like, how did the defense look better? And he just completely locked down. He's like, you know what, you guys are really pressing me on this. Like, you know, I'm not going to get into details of this. <laughs> And so I came I came down uh, the next week and I I, I some, sometimes I, I let the intrusive thoughts win and this time I'm glad I, I, I buckled it down because I had a, a complete list of completely non-football related questions I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask him what he thought about like the PGA Tours rollback of the drivers and and you know like just the Kansas City Chiefs and um and then I chickened out. I, I couldn't do it <laughs> <laughs> It was too early in the season and they might be good and I was like, I can't I can't blow this this early, you know. Let's let's wait till they get through Texas Tech before we start playing around in the press conferences.
0: Hey, you you mentioned Oregon's pass rush and how many sacks they already have this year and I know Jordan Birch was a a big acquisition for them in the portal. he's got 3 sacks. I saw Dan Lanning was kind of talking about the impact he's made last week is he a big part of that? I mean, is he a big reason why they're getting after the quarterback more? Or are there other guys who have, who have stepped up who you think are maybe of, of more concern or, or equal concern for Washington?
2: They, they just have a lot of depth where they haven't added on the line in the past. And and even just having guys healthy who are clogging up the lanes, whether it be like Popo Amave being back healthy. Uh, Taki Tamani has been decent. Uh, <laughs> what kind of a weird article about him this week. Um, and then, uh, uh, Brandon Dorless has just been a, a beast. Like, I, I think Dorless has been kind of because he played with Kayvon Thibodeau his first few years, he was kind of pretty under, underrated as he came, came about, but he was really good last year. He's been better this year. And I think just like having guys who are complimentary with him, um, is just turned it into exponential returns for them because they, they got no push last year. Like guys could just double team Dorless and it, uh, with Amave out of the middle, like it was, it was a very soft front seven, um, and just it's not anymore. Like they're they're able to clog the lanes, and they have athletic guys behind them too. Like, um, you know, they they had a they keyed up a real nice nickel blitz their last game where Evan Williams came off, he blew up uh, the running back blocker and, and netted a sack, but there was also like three guys on him as well. It's just they're they're able to key up things that they weren't able to uh, last season
1: watching this series play out uh, the 12 straight losses by Washington to Oregon remains the single most painful thing in my life that doesn't involve an actual death of a family member watching Washington try to claw its way back to respectability. This, this is going to be a lob. How does Oregon perceive Washington right now as a program?
2: That's a good question. I, I, I think there's more respect there right now than there has been in past years. Um, mm-hmm. The crystal ball era was weird. Like it, it felt, I, I enjoyed how much he kind of fueled that rivalry, but also it kind of felt artificial at times. You know, it kind of felt like a guy who was like, Hey, I'm not from here, but I'm going to try my damnedest to to play into those types of things. Um, so I think there's more of a mutual respect probably between DeBoer and Lanning. That being said, um, I think Oregon looks at Washington as a good like a team that's like steps behind what Oregon's done for the last, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years. Um, you know, it's evened out here, obviously, the last six years. But I think Oregon still kind of is on to that twelve-year streak, and the fact that the Ducks kind of got heavy into the recruiting and kind of. I think there's an Oregon perception that the Ducks were ready for the Big Ten as a program maybe before Washington, even though Washington has the bigger city and the market and the larger alumni base, if that makes sense.
0: I think it would be difficult for two coaches who came up kind of the hard way from the small school route to begrudge each other the way that Cristobal and Jimmy Lake did. You know, I just remember... (laughs) Dan Lanning last year talking about DeBoer and, you know, they obviously didn't really know each other very well, but he referred to him as, you know, one of the winningest coaches in college football, you know, and an obvious nod to his time at Sioux Falls, where I think the inclination from, you know, maybe not necessarily from the coaching community, but just from the public at large is that that stuff kind of doesn't count, right? That like when you see the gaudy... 90 whatever and 10 or whatever the record is that it's like well yeah but only how much of that was in fbs and how much of that was in power five and you know lanning kind of acknowledged like hey this guy's just like been a winner forever and i i think that i think two coaches who know what it takes to start out at like the d3 naia type level and work your way up and, and get to a, a the head coaching positions they have probably it it would be tough for them to hate each other unless they came from like the same city and were like gr- rivals growing up in the Midwest together or something <laughs> like that. But, um, the crystal ball, do you think that, yeah, but that, that, do you think he, he, he said was, that what he said about how those guys are everything that's wrong with football because they punted on that fourth down.
2: I think it was a combo out of the that. Zone. I, I, I think it was a, a combo of that. <laughs> I think it was a combo of. Uh, I, I was actually shoot. I should have put it on. I have my uh, my 2020 Washington North Division champion T-shirt.
1: Um, <laughs> I got one too.
2: Oh, uh, you guys yeah. could have worn it together. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it was a little bit of that. I mean, there was there was just like that. That was a wild era for the message boards, like the 2020s, the the conspiracies of why who's not playing who. Like, what a what a dumb 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 era of football we went
1: through. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know. I, I, the, the, they're ducking us. They, they made up yeah. their COVID and all
1: this. Yeah. I, I will say this. that That 2021 game probably changed my perception of the rivalry and maybe made it healthier because it became self-hatred. Like when that happened, because that week you had Jimmy Lake saying the academically prowess comment, and then he turned yellow and punted like an absolute coward. And had the punt, the snap, sail out of the end zone, which was karmic retribution for his cowardice. <laughs> and I, I've, left, I've left Husky Stadium a lot angry after a Washington game. Like, that's, that's not new. But usually I'm mad at Duck fans. That, that game, they lost. I then went and got the bags that I'd checked into the mobile bag check, got on Link Light Rail, took my train down to SeaTac to take a red eye back to Manhattan, furious with my own program like so full of self-hatred and and maybe that was this reckoning that happened of afterward of like i can't even pretend that this is some historical aberration about oregon being on top of washington like we're clearly behind them and we have a coach who's god awful i i feel healthier about oregon like (laughs) i i feel it's a healthy rivalry again instead of this sort of kind of toxic animosity that I felt before. Well,
2: well, uh, that's what Washington did to Oregon in 2016 too. I mean, if, if the Huskies don't put 70 on Mark Helfrich in Autzen stadium, maybe he's still roaming the sidelines and the ducks are like, uh, and the ducks are like, a, like a, like a 20, like, like le- legitimately like, they were looking for reasons not to fire him that year. And he kept giving them whether it was losing the civil war or, uh, getting beat by 70 by Washington and then coming into the press conference and saying it was a train wreck or it felt like getting hit by a train. Um, that played a part, and it's it's so funny too because it was Chris Peterson who did it to him, and like the, one of the very first stories I wrote on this beat was that the 2014 Pac-12 media day about Peterson and Helfrich being like best buds now coaching with each other, and
0: Chris Peterson uh, felt bad too. He
2: did not like that 70 number. Oh, oh really? Oh, man. I it, and like they're wearing like the the uniforms that look like cows, and then you get the Jake Browning point. Like, point
3: the point. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I think I think yeah, there's there's two Washington and Oregon. I think can both thank each other for putting them down the route to where they are now, where they are both top ten teams.
0: That was. Don't you want the head coach to acknowledge that it it was as bad as it was though? Because oh, absolutely. I, I, I,
1: you can't say you I, I got do, hit by a train. I do, but I'm going to rip it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't You can't because say we I, just I, got well, hit by a train.
0: When Washington lost to Montana, hashtag go Grizz, Tyson. That's a train. Firebody. <laughs> they, Jimmy Lake comes to the post-game press conference and is asked if if he was shocked and and said, no, I wouldn't say I'm shocked. Oh, and God. I, I I don't think that's what you want to hear. So. No,
1: that's that's not either. But, you you have to compliment the team that beat you and then turn the focus inward. Like, there's a very clear recipe for how you respond. Uh, the word as
0: unacceptable a, needs to be in there somewhere.
1: Yes, yes. Like those. But you can't say, whoa, we just <laughs> got hit by a train when you lose to your rival. <laughs> like, hey, well, guys, why didn't you, did you not see the train coming? Why didn't you prevent <laughs> this from happening? Perhaps have the arms come down that are like ding, 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 ding and not get hit by the train.
2: Those two years post their title game, where they just had—I mean, 2015 when Vernon Adams went down, and I think it was when Utah put 50, Utah put 50 something on the Ducks in otsen when Vernon Adams was out, and it was at at that point it was—I've never seen anything more unbelievable than this. This team was playing the national championship like six months ago, uh, and then over the next 12 months, it was just a progression of those types of games that were just like, oh my god, they're going to get canned. And then they should didn't.
0: we um I believe Ian has a question for us this week that our our guests can help out with
1: yeah I, Ian McFarland is is our sponsor our patron our supporter uh he's also a steely eyed sales assassin Tyson okay so if you ever okay. find yourself in the need of Uh, of some advice on how best to promote the i5 corridor how to maybe i'll put him in touch with my business staff (laughs) they can get into the HR meeting. he might be able to embed embed an executive with your sales team uh ip this is ian mcfarland and he's fairly fired up for this week's game awesome
3: guys good morning it's oregon week the one we've all been waiting for uh My question this week is is around defense. A lot of talk about how much better Oregon's defense is than Washington's, but the the data doesn't really play that out. Um, S, no ampersand, P plus, has Oregon at 20th and Washington at 26th. Um, In stop rate, I believe Oregon is 15th and Washington is 27th with pretty similar numbers. Now, the eye test probably says that Oregon has the advantage uh, over Washington, but the the question is really, what does each team do to win? So if Oregon's defense does blank, they win. If Washington's defense does blank, they win. God willing, it's the second one. Go dogs! Beat their do until they I cry. Think? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I talked over the end.
2: See if if. If if Ian wants to come over and, and um uh share some of his uh sponsorship abilities on the I5 corridor, he wouldn't have to bleep that out because we're oh, real. You, you know, curse? we're 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 not we're not corporate like you guys. Like we we <laughs> got out of the rat race to not have to beat around the bush. But hey, you know what, you guys do you, you Seattleites, you know, a little bit snooty, I understand.
1: We just we just think the bleeping's funnier. Yeah, it, it actually, is, it's way, it's, it's way,
0: like, <laughs> it's the South, it's the South Park thing. My friends and yeah. I always talk about that growing up. Like it was on, on South Park. It was just, it was sometimes like when, when they'd have the the movie or whatever, when they could swear and they weren't on TV. I, just, I didn't think it was as funny. I think it's funnier when it's bleeped out.
2: Uh, so it was, it was what does one? I don't know if Oregon's defense is all that much better than Washington's. Again, as we talked about earlier, it's, it's a, Still kind of need to see them play uh, a complete football team like Washington is. Uh, if Oregon's going to win this game, I think they got to go with a similar mold where they've turned the ball over once this year. If, if they don't turn the ball over and if they're able to produce like one pick or two picks against Penix, I think that puts them in the game. But if they get into a, a, just a straight-up throwing battle, Penix is a better passer than Bo Nix. Bo Nix is very good, but Penix is elite. Like, he's, he's the best in the country, in my opinion. So I, I think if if the Ducks are able to at least produce a flip of the field or, or pick him off and, and continue with not turning the ball over
1: themselves, I think that puts them in the game. I think this is, for Washington, it's about tackling. Washington's going to have to tackle well. Yeah. And that's something that hasn't – it certainly was – an issue last season but really last season it was more about big plays and letting guys get behind them. This is going to be an issue about about tackling well for Oregon's defense. I think the question is the pass pressure and Michael Penix is really good at, at getting rid of the ball, but even a quarterback with that ability if you can if you can affect and get to him and force him to make decisions sooner than he wants to. I think that's Washington's had some injuries along the offensive line, so I I think that is the big question when Oregon's on defense is are they going to be able to get pass pressure on Penix? And when Washington's defense is out there, it's really going to be about their tackling.
0: Yeah, I, I agree uh, in terms of getting pressure on Penix. That's really what I'm watching. Can they protect him? Can they give him time? Or is Oregon's front, which is so much more athletic and talented than any Washington has seen so far, are they going to be the first team to really get after him a lot? Um, for Washington, I, I'm really looking hard at first down. Are they giving up four, five, six yards a carry on first down? Are they letting Oregon um, into second and second medium that lead to third and short? Or second manageable that leads to them moving the chains, and you know, are they are they, uh, they going to contain Bucky Irving better than they did in Eugene last year? Bucky Irving and Jordan James, I should say, because he's uh, he's having an excellent season as well. I just, you know, they they never did stop Oregon's rushing attack except for that one fourth down. You know, getting you know you there in the, in the gap and forcing Noah Whittington to cut back and slip. That was a huge play, but man, Oregon, just you ready for it, Danny. They gashed them repeatedly.
2: <laughs> All game. The, the, the one, the one surprise, or I, I, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise based on like the guys that they got to, to replace um, the four who left, but Oregon's offensive line has been every bit as good as, this year as it was last year. And Nick's barely got touched last year. And, and, they were able to create the space for a runner like Irving, who really can juke guys out of their cleats if, if he gets a little bit of time in a one-on-one matchup. Um, but like getting a Johnny Cornelius, uh, a Jackson, uh, Jackson Powers Johnson has turned into one of the better centers in the conference. Um, Josh Connerly Jr. has been really good this year, who came from up from up your guys's way. Um, yeah, the the fact that I. I kind of came into the year being like, if Oregon, Oregon can get like 90% of its offensive line play from last year, like they'll be in a good spot. And this one has been every bit as good as it was last year.
0: Yeah, that's kind of, I, I just, it's interesting because that was the last game last year where Washington was a big underdog. Um, and then coming out of, you know, just feels like they they kind of took a step forward as a program in that game. But, you know, big reason why was Oregon's offensive line, their running game, Obviously, Bo Nix is really talented. Interested to see how much he might run, and how much they might they might design for the ball to be in his hands.
2: You know what's interesting is that was kind of the big story with him this off season was he put on probably about ten pounds of muscle in his legs just because he said he wanted to run more and he wanted to be able to take more contact. He hasn't ran a whole lot this year, and I, a lot of it's just been because like he hasn't had to. So we'll we'll see how much of that actually happens in this game. It's it's almost like. Um, in 2019, with Justin Herbert, they didn't actually run him until the Rose Bowl, and then they ran him like every freaking play of the game. So,
0: I won't ask you specifically for a prediction. Free to give one if you want, but I think Washington's about a two and a half, two and a half to three point favorite ish. Uh, the lines moved a, a little bit in Oregon's favor. Um, do you think that's about right? Do you think it should be on on the other side of the ledger? Uh, how, how do you what, what sort of game script are you anticipating on Saturday?
2: I, I think the the about two and a half three points for the home team is about right in this one. I I truly think that these are pretty pretty equal teams. Um, I'm, I'm looking at. I don't think it's going to be a defensive uh, a defensive battle here, but I also don't think we're going to see either team score in the forty points. So I'm looking at like a a thirty-one twenty-eight Oregon win because I want myself my website to remain healthy throughout the rest of the season.
1: <laughs> I've got a different, I've got a different question for you, Tyson. You're going to be making the drive up the I five corridor mm-hmm. where are you stopping to eat on your way.
2: So I'm going up on Friday,
1: mm-hmm. which, which
2: changes things because traffic's probably going to be terrible. So it might be a, just get to the city or whatever rest stop, um, mm mm-hmm. Because like like truly, there aren't a whole lot of great stops between Portland and Seattle. It's I mean it's it's kind of a or or maybe I just haven't haven't done the trip enough. I mean I, Christian, I'm, 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 do de- you, I'm definitely willing to take suggestions. You know any good places in Chihuahua?
1: Yeah, Christian, do you? This is this is right. You can stop and see a squirrel bridge. Apparently, yeah, well, a bunch.
2: In fact, um, they have squirrel bridges.
1: Uh, in I know.
0: Arabia. So my wife likes to stop she likes us to stop at the Burgerville in Kelso, which Ooh. I did not eat at a whole lot growing up, and I kind of find a little overrated. Um, but, yes, it, you know... Bur- bur- it's... Are you, are, you, I, are you a Burgerville guy?
2: No, I, I, I wrote a mailbag column last year that used about, like, 800 words to talk about how Burgerville has blown a 3-1 lead to, like, any other burger place <laughs> coming into Because, <laughs> <them. laughs> like, we... in. in in Oregon now, we have In and Out coming. We have uh, we have Shake Shack. We have like all these like good kind of semi national brands, and all of them like are so much better than Burgerville. Like if you go to Burgerville, if you want to wait in the drive through for fifteen minutes behind one car to get a cold burger,
1: I've but, never.
0: I've but never. I don't have an opinion. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> I, I, I like the never, Huckleberry I've, Shake. Oh, that's I've, that's about all I I think is worth like going out of your way for to go to Burgerville.
1: I have never eaten at Burgerville. Um, I've also never eaten at Burger Master, which is kind of a Seattle state. Uh,
2: I, 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 so I, before, before I became Alaskan, I lived in, uh, Enumclaw for five years. Uh, and I remember going to Burger Master with my dad, but it it's just like a, a faint
1: memory. I don't remember if it was good or not, but yeah. Kid, Kid Valley's a solid burger. I will say this Shake Shack, Shake Shack is ass. Like I, I think Shake Shack is a terrible establishment. I've never gone there and gotten a burger where I've been like, "Oh, that was a good burger." And I've been to the ones here in New York, but maybe maybe I'm biased. I never ate at the Shake Shack. That oh, I love Shake Shack. Coast. I really? love Shake Shack.
0: Yeah, oh. I, I I like their um, I like their burgers. I like their chicken sandwich too.
2: I've never eaten the chicken sandwich. Kid, Kid Kid Valley has always been my go to a Mariners game. I'll get a Kid Valley burger and yeah. shake.
0: Yeah, yeah. Kid yeah. Valley's fine. I, it just it's hard to mess up a burger. If you want a burger, I feel like any restaurant that like does burgers, you're, you're going to be satisfied enough. I don't know. If it's cold, that's a little different story. But
1: Yeah, maybe I just have uh, ridiculous standards or I'm, I'm overly picky, but I, I definitely have a pecking order for burgers. Zippy's over in West Seattle was a place that I absolutely loved. Little Woody's on Capitol Hill. Mm, uh, for a long too. time, the Palace Kitchen had the best burger in town, I was convinced. Uh, I do like in and out though. I understand a, a lot of people have objections so, to it, but I, I really like In-N-Out, and I like In-N-Out Surprise.
2: There's uh, – they they built it In-N-Out in Salem-Kaiser, and I hate it for the most part because it's been open for, like, two and a half years now, and during the afternoon, it'll still fill the exit, like, into uh, the shopping center <laughs> just for people, <laughs> like, wanting to wait two hours to get a burger. But <sighs> – after football, like if it's a, uh, it was after the game. Uh, I covered the Corvallis, Utah, Utah Oregon State game last week, and was coming back home, and it was like one in the morning, and there was like two cars in that parking lot driving home, and got myself a big old double double at one thirty in the morning, and hated myself by the time I got home.
1: So oh really? Was, well, oh, it's no. double double fr- fries, a chocolate shake, nothing better. I stayed at the uh, I stayed at the
0: Holiday Inn in that in that little complex last year for the Washington Oregon game. And I ate there twice. In fact, yeah, there we the, go. I feel bad the, about
2: it either time. The, the, the thing is, is I don't, it's not that I feel bad about the double double per se. It's that that wasn't my dinner. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> was, that was like the double double on top. It was the, well, I'm here. I might as well. Like, Hell
1: yeah. 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 <laughs> um, this is, this will be my last question, Tyson. Uh, I grew up in Oregon. I have uh, fairly deep roots in the state. And anytime I talk to someone who has lived or lives in the state, I like to ask them this question. Have you ever been to the Enchanted Forest?
2: I have wanted to go to the—I've driven by that. Every single time I go to Eugene, you you see the, the sign on the left, and I don't know what the place actually looks like. I don't know if it has roller coasters. I don't know if it's like a Hobbit Ish, Museum type of thing. Kinda. I don't know if it's just like a walk through the hills. But never once have I even bothered to like take the exit. I don't actually know which exit it is. It's just always there in the left corner as you're leaving Salem.
1: And I prefer not to know. That's in my
2: mind where it will always be.
1: <laughs> you are. you have it, no plans I mean, to ever go.
2: I mean, I mean, does anybody go to um, what's the amusement park? Uh, Wild Waves uh, uh, the. Yeah, yes. yeah. kids yeah, I, I mean God you
1: know. <laughs> not, not just kids. I talked to KJ Wright after he was playing on the Seahawks and KJ Wright went to Wild Waves.
2: Oh wow. Ah, man. What's the little uh isn't there an amusement park attached to that? Isn't it like uh, yes,
1: yeah, there's some sort of thing. Not a six flags. It's not an actual amusement park, but something okay. similarly similarly it's mildly amusing mildly <laughs> <Yeah>. amusing. Mildly <laughs> amusing. You
0: can you can find you can find some manner of amusement there.
1: Yeah. Wow. So no, I I
2: have not I have not visited, but maybe 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 that becomes like a i five corridor like daily diary. Um, next time I get stuck in traffic, I'll take the enchanted enchanted
0: instead,
1: exit and instead of a double double, you're gonna yeah. go to Storyland. Yeah, you and. got six
0: a.m. marketing meeting, seven a.m. HR meeting, and then then get in the car and, and find some uh, some corporate, enchantment.
1: Actually, a corporate retreat to the enchanted forest you know, you know and corporate didn't
2: expense my mileage last time either So,
0: kind of wow you gotta file a grievance well tyson thanks so much for joining us this has been fun um big game saturday looking forward to it safe travels we'll see you in that uh that full husky stadium press box take care <laughs> I'm, I'll,
2: I'll be the guy sitting over by the buffet thanks guys <laughs> Oh, I got I got some bad news for you. For uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 aware of what's happened.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Tyson. But it was. Thanks again to Tyson for stopping by. Probably won't be pursuing a Burgerville endorsement after that one. <laughs> you like Burgerville? I'm 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 lukewarm on Burgerville. My wife likes Burgerville. She she always wants to stop there, and I I'm fine with it. I'll eat a bur. You know. We're, we're driving on I five for a while, and I get a chance to eat a burger. I'm 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 happy. I'm not going to be too picky about it. Um, we I realize we we were, uh, or I was negligent in in picking games last week, um, but that's okay. It was I went two and two. Um, we can we can skip uh, two and two in my picks column on my site, but we can we can skip that in the standings. What do we got? Uh, got a, got a full slate this week. USC Indeed. against Notre Dame, Washington against
1: Oregon. What's uh What's first up? Well, first game we got is the Friday night game, Stanford Colorado. Uh, buffs, Buffs giving eleven and a half. I thought
0: Colorado showed some resiliency in a tough mm-hmm. game against ASU. That I thought they would. Um, ASU is getting better, so I'm not going to hold that against Colorado. I, yeah, I I kind of see a blowout. Um, Stanford really- just.
1: Stanford Stanford's the worst team show. in the conference?
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty. It's pretty clear by now. I think ASU is getting better week by week. You haven't seen that improvement from Stanford. I'm going to take Colorado to cover that.
1: I think Color I'm I'm taking I'm taking Stanford here. I think Colorado's kicking a game. Like that's going to happen here. That's going to happen and I think they're kicking this game. Fair enough. California at Utah. Utah favored by 2 touchdowns, 13 and a half. It's so hard to pick Utah games this year. Mhm. Sure is.
0: Cal seemed to find something. They looked its, better. Yeah, with its new quarterback, all that all that effort in the portal. And uh and neither of those guys could cut it. Man, 13 and a half. Do we know anything more about Cam Rising? I mean, is it is that just a is that just a, a pipe dream
1: at this point? Like is he ever coming back? I'm not sure he has both legs at this point. I can't be Gosh. certain of him possessing of him being bipedal at this point oh
0: I thirteen and a half yeah I'm mm-hmm. gonna take cal I'm gonna take Cal to cover that i'll I'll pick Utah straight up, but I'm gonna take Cal to cover that.
1: Uh, I'm taking Cal to cover as well. I think that's a lot of points for Utah, especially given the uncertainty there. Uh, Oregon Washington the line I'm looking at is Washington minus three though I've seen others where Washington is minus two and a half
0: yeah that's uh that's the old three points for home field Mm -hmm. so it's basically basically right down the middle right um you know I've got my I've got my reservations about how Washington matches up with Oregon I, I, I do think Oregon has probably shown better balance and I mean I don't know they've they've of the 10 quarterbacks these teams have faced, they have faced the best, right? Shador Sanders is probably the best quarterback that either Washington or Oregon has faced this year. And they shut him down, but Colorado's offensive line is really bad. So what does that say? And so I just, like we kind of talked about with Tyson, we'll know a lot more about both of these teams after this game. It kind of comes down to a coin flip. I think um, I'll I'll take Washington at home. Um are we are we using three? Is that the official the official number? Well, you tell me what you want to go with. Well, whatever whatever number you're usually looking at. I'm using the
1: ESPN.com, not a highly scientific. I'm that's that's sure. fine. Minus three. Washington's going to win this game by double digits. You think so? Yes, I do. I think I think Washington's going to smoke them. I think this is going to be very similar to the Stanford Friday night game. Is that 2016? Hmm. I think this is going to be an extremely loud environment. Um, I think, I think Washington, I I don't, it's not going to be a blowout, but I don't think this is going to be a game that's decided on the final possession either. Um, and I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really pumped up and I hope that I'm not jinxing anything.
0: Is there something about Oregon or how they match up with Oregon that makes you feel that way?
1: yes i think that oregon's offense and the fact that they had four false start penalties at texas tech i think the way they looked on the road in that game um it's well established that i am a bo nicks hater beyond all reasonable proportions and almost
0: forgotten about that (laughs) yeah
1: i don't think he's good i don't think he's that good and I, I think I think that this is I think Washington is significantly better than it was a year ago. And I'm not sure how much better Oregon is than it was a year ago.
0: Well, they they, they handled Stanford in a pretty rowdy environment a couple of weeks ago. So,
1: yeah, it gets crazy on the farm. Like you really being able to go into that, th- those sort of screaming crazies at Stanford, uh, prying them out of the library to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> look, man, that stadium can still get loud. And and I'm because of the way the schedules worked, and because of the ups and downs, and because of Jimmy Lake, you haven't you haven't heard it get as loud. When's the that, that USC game in 2016? When was the last time it was truly deafening? It's going to be deafening on Saturday.
0: It's a 12:30 yeah,
1: I mean, start.
0: Michigan State last year was was pretty yeah, was loud. loud. Even that wasn't a sellout. There were some empty seats. They announced 68 or so, and this is a. This is truly a sellout. Although I think you're going to see a lot of green in the stadium. I expect a lot of Oregon fans to be there. I would guess that a lot of tickets got got scooped up on the secondary market, at least. So, uh, uh, you should, know what you're also going to see
1: is some rubber duckies in the urinals. That's you, you. I the love duckies. the rubber duckies in the urinals. I love it. Arizona at Washington State. Cougs favored by eight. Dickert getting mentioned as a potential target for Michigan State. What do you got? Yeah,
0: I. Interesting trajectory for these two schools right now. I mean, Washington State got uh, got pushed around by yes, UCLA, and Arizona appears to have discovered something. Um, took USC into, into triple overtime, eight and a half. Just eight or eight and a half. Uh, I have eight. Eight. Okay. Uh, gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Wazoo to cover the eight at home. Um, it does feel like a lot, it feels pretty steep with, especially with the way Arizona has played the last couple weeks, but, um, I, I, I like a bounce back game for the Cougs
1: and Pullman. I think I'm going to take, I'm going to take the fishes. I'm I'm coming around on the fishes. I think he's got something going there. I'm going to take, the, gonna... I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the points. I don't think Arizona is going to win the game, but I think they're going to cover.
0: You're gonna be wearing a, a Jetfish T shirt by the end of this season.
1: <laughs> I might. I, I could be wrong on it. I'm open to the idea that I'm wrong about him. Um they played really well against against USC, either that or USC is no good. Speaking of USC, USC at Notre Dame, the two loss Irish, favored by two and a half. Hmm. That's interesting. Isn't that a weird line? That's the weirdest yeah. line I've come across this week.
0: And there's just like no rhyme or reason to the games that Marcus Freeman wins or loses. It seems the, the past couple of years.
1: There's part. There's part of that, and there's there's also. I think people just must severely doubt USC based on how slim their margin of victory has been in some of these games.
0: Yeah, I do. The, there is a sense that people are like, just wait. Give me any type of top twenty-five caliber opponent playing at home against USC, and. Mm-hmm. And let's see if USC holds up. Um, I'm I don't know. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take USC. I'm gonna zag here. I think that the obvious play is to to bet against that defense going into South Bend in a, a hostile environment. So I'm gonna zag and I'm gonna say Caleb Williams comes through and uh, and gets USC to six and zero.
1: I will say this: if anybody's seen the play where the what the USC punt punt coverage team tries to pull the (laughs) the Arizona returner into the ball only to kick the ball eight yards backfield like lose eight yards in field position there is no better metaphor for USC's program than that clip because you have a physically dominant USC program In its attempt to just impose its will on opponents that gets in its own way and hurts itself. That is a metaphor for this program since Pete Carroll left. And right now, the fact that Alex Grinch is still their defensive coordinator is utterly and completely inexplicable and can only be explained by the the idea that there are trade-offs in life. Shaq is so dominant, he can't shoot free throws. Like, you can't have everything. USC can't have the best offensive coach and the talent base that they have. You have to give them something to balance it out, and that something to balance it out is their own stupidity when it comes to running their program. Why wasn't that called holding? On that punt cover. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I have no clue. Like that play, that play is so stupid. And it's just perfectly, it perfectly summarizes how stupid USC is. Constantly getting in its own way. Oh, let's bring Clay Hilton back for another year. That looks like a guy that's running one of the top programs in the co- It's just absurd. They're so dumb. So many, so many own goals. Uh, I'm taking USC in this game. they're getting two and a half against a two loss Irish team that looks no good uh you Notre Dame's defense is fine that that offense is not very good and then we get to UCLA Oregon State the Bruins finally showing a little bit of friskiness they beat Washington State they're at Corvallis Beavs favored by three and a half
0: I should say I I said USC was going to get to six and they're already six and oh they're I think they're going to get to seven and oh um yeah this is going to be a it's gonna be a a, a slugfest in Corvallis. Um, you say Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah, hmm. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll I'll take the home standing Beavs. I think they're. Uh, I just think they're feisty. I think they find ways. You know, like weird, like super high scoring game against Cal somehow, um, but they prevailed. So I I don't know I I like you I mean obviously UCLA's defense is really good they've been really impressive so far but um it's it's different in the new Racer Stadium I'm taking Oregon State
1: taking the Bruins think Chip Kelly's figured it out they've got a little bit of a a run game uh they they've got their run game going I think I think the Bruins are are winning this one so
0: we're uh we're opposite on what four four games this week
1: Stanford Colorado no just two. Just two, I think. Oh no, three, uh, three. Okay. Stanford, Colorado, Arizona, Wazoo, UCLA, OSU. Both have USC, both have Cal, both have Washington.
0: Separation Saturday.
1: (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Oh,
0: enjoy the game. It's as, um, I've heard it said multiple times this week that like, this is why you play. This is why you come to Washington. This is, I'm sure Oregon's coaches are saying, this is why you come to Oregon. And it's all true. Um, this is, uh, this is what college football is all about. This is what everybody looks forward to. I mean, we looked at those schedules before the season and could see, okay, Washington should, should win their first five, Oregon should win their first five, and, and hey, here we are. Sold out, college game day, all that. So um, enjoy it. Enjoy every bit of it if you're going. Enjoy it if you're watching from your couch. Uh, Danny, enjoy the, the flight out. And I'm pumped. We'll talk. Yeah, hey, Danny's Danny's fired up. He's been like we said, man. He's been grinding tape. He's been up watching. <laughs> he's been watching film. No,
1: man, uh, I've been practicing my aim at the urinal. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. I'm gonna snipe some of these ducks.
0: We'll talk to you next week.